0: Good to see you guys. I love seeing faces in the room, so thanks for being here with us. Uh, you truly make my heart happy to see you guys on Sundays. And then all of you tuning online, you make my heart happy too. Sorry we can't see you in person, but thanks for tuning in online with us, and uh, thanks for being with us on this journey. Uh, so we're on week three of a series called It's Time, and really it's time to get on track. It's time to chase those dreams. It's time to start some new habits, maybe stop some old habits that are unhealthy. And so this series is really about pushing us into the best year we could possibly have. Uh, anybody in the room, would you say that you would like 2021 to be the best year you've ever had in your life? Anybody? Yeah? Anybody online? Yeah, we would all say that, right? So we've said this, that w- the end of this year, we're all going to end up somewhere, financially, relationally, emotionally, all those areas, right? Um, the question is where do you want to end up. And if you're not intentional about the destination, you'll kind of be surprised by where you end up. And we don't want to be surprised. We want to be intentional about the, the choices we make, uh, because we've been saying this the series, all right? The direction of your life is always determined by the decisions that you make each day. So your your destination at the end of 2021 will be made by the decisions you make today and tomorrow and that throughout this week, right? And so our our challenge is make sure you make wise choices, good challenges, uh, wise choices each day, so that you can have a good uh, destination you end up on. And we said this: whenever you're faced with decisions, if you ask good questions, you get better outcomes, right? You'll make better choices and you'll have better outcomes if you ask the right questions. So this whole series, we're presenting a question every week that we could ask. So week one, we said the first question was this, what one thing, if it got better, would make the biggest difference in your life? And so essentially, this is like the starting point uh, question, right? If you don't know where to start in life, you ask the question, my finances, what one thing would get better if I would do this one thing? Maybe it's a budget, right? Maybe you start with a budget. In your relationships, in, in your work environment, what one thing in your marriage would get better if um, if you would if you would uh, change it, right? And you ask that question, that that kind of gives you a a starting point for different areas of our life. Sorry, my microphone is not cooperating today. And if you ask that, it'll give you at least a. a An idea of the first step to take. So that was week one. If you missed that, go listen to week one. Um, And uh, then last week was week two. We said we have to be honest, right? When we're faced with decisions, ask the question, am I being honest with myself really? Because if we're not honest, we will not be able to um, be honest where we're at. We won't be able to get to where we need to go. And so we said make sure you admit right? First, where you're at, and then ask the question and be curious about it, about searching out for the answer, Um, because nothing changes until you're honest with where you're at, and you're brutally honest. will help you make that decision. Uh, Jesus, this is a theme verse for this whole series, and then we're going to jump into today's message, right? Uh, He says this in Luke 9, when he's talking to people about following him, he says, if you're going to follow me, you have to go all in. You have to be committed. You have to to be able to to seize the day, is what he says. He says, uh, no procrastination, no backward looks, you can't put God's kingdom off until tomorrow. You have to seize the day. You have to learn to seize uh, what's going on uh, today. And so he's saying, uh, don't be looking back, right? Yeah, last year you can't change, but this year you can. So don't put off till tomorrow because human nature, we tend to put off things that are important until later. We say, I'll get to that later when I'm a certain age. I'll get to that next year. I'll, I'll work on that debt. I'll work on that project next next week, right? And he's saying, when it comes to life, you can't live that way, right? The kingdom of God is always about today. It's not about when you die. It's about now. It's about here and now. And so he's saying, make sure you seize the day. Learn this skill of saying, I'm going to live for today and make good choices today with my life. So one, one more time, I'll say this. The direction of your life is determined by the decisions that you make every single day. Uh, so, where you end up will be because of the choices that you make right and we 're going to talk to that. Um, you know I was thinking back over over my uh, my life and as I was, I was preparing for this message and I was thinking about different stories right, uh, that I could, they could, I could share and I could tell and, um, when I was in high school, um, I had uh, one of my friends, his cousin we were going to drive out to Rancho to go visit him, and um, his cousin was driving us, and his cousin had a really fast car. And uh, we're we're driving down this road in Rio Rancho that always has police officers, and they're always pulling over people Uh, because I used to – we'd go there a lot, and we we just always saw police there and always pulling people over. So my friend, he thought he would go really fast on this road that uh, didn't have a very uh, fast speed limit. So he's driving down, and and it's kind of like these little small rolling hills. And so as we come over a hill, a police officer, he flashes his lights, right? It's kind of one of those like, hey, we don't know if he's saying slow down or, hey, pull over because I'm going to come give you a ticket, Right. Well, it was the second one, not the first one. He thought it was the first one, and he says, oh, he's just warning us. So he guns it and goes even faster, and then, I know, right? I'm thinking like, oh, this is not going to be a good story. And so he, he pulls into a neighborhood, right? He starts going down, and then he goes into another neighborhood, and then he's pulling around like, oh, they're chasing us, they're chasing us. So we go around the turn, and they really were chasing us. And so we come around the turn, and there's a police officer's car parked sideways with his gun drawn on us. I put we I see him and he, my friend sees him. He's like, oh no! <laughs> like I'm sure there's some other words that came with that, right? And he stops, and at uh, that moment we're like, all right, hands on. you like, I, we don't have anything. Um, and then he, the, the police officer gets out of the car. He, he frisks us. He searches all that stuff, right? I'm thinking. Um, who am I going to call from prison, right? I'm going to, I'm going to jail today. So who's going to be my phone call? And so my this other guy, you know, it turns out he just got a really big ticket. I had to go see a judge. Nothing happened to me. I wasn't driving. I didn't encourage it. So uh, the police officer eventually led us on our way. Now it's just a story we tell, right? It's a story in my life. And I was thinking, what can I tell that maybe people never heard? And I was thinking of another story. And I was in elementary school, there was this bully that was always picking on me and my friends. I just had enough of it. And my dad always used to tell me, You don't start the fights, but you have permission to end it if you're ever in one that has to go away, right? And so I just remember him saying that. Like, just make sure you you have an opportunity. don't just, you know, whatever. So uh, he keeps picking on us, and so finally I had enough. And I told the guy, like, you better stop. He's like, or what? And I just pushed him, right? Boom. And he went backwards to stop himself, and he broke his arm. And I'm like, that's what? (laughs) It's a story I tell now, right? (laughs) Our decisions as little kids, as high schoolers, the decisions we make in the moment, they just become stories that we tell one day. Uh, the decisions you make, 2020, one day we're going to talk about it. Ten years, fifteen years down the road, right? What? What about 2020? I, well, some people can be like, I was locked up. I was in my house the whole year. I didn't get to do anything. I just sat on my couch and watched whatever, you know. Others can be like, you know what? I was locked up, but I was in, in home a lot. But I got my degree. I chased this thing. I wrote a book. I, there's gonna be different stories that come for 2020. It's gonna decisions we made through the year will just be a story we tell about it. Same for this year. 2020 at some point will just be a story you will tell. So what story do you want to tell, right? Because the decisions you make, they become the stories you tell and the stories others will tell about you. And whenever you uh, have others with you in the decisions you make, it becomes their story also. So the guy that was my, my friend's uh, cousin that was driving, um, his story is not my story. It was his dumb decision, but it's part of my story that I get to tell and make fun of, right? Because of that. The bully that wanted to pick on people, his dumb decision is now part of my story of him breaking his arm when I pushed him down, right? I wasn't trying to hurt him. It just happened that way, right? So, uh, you guys are thinking, like, man, this guy's rough. So, but hey, um, moral of the story, he never picked on my friends again. Huh? So, um, anyways, that's a story I could tell. Uh, <laughs> There'll all be stories that we tell because, and, and they'll be a permanent part of our story, right? Um, th- th- our decisions, they have outcomes. And sometimes outcomes are good. And I think of other stories that I'm not proud of, regrets that I had. Mainly in middle school, I made a lot of poor decisions in middle school because I think peer pressure and just all that stuff that happened. Um, and when I think about it, it's the decisions that I made that weren't wise are the ones that I regret that I, could have, I can't actually go back and change. So today, we're going to ask the third question. And if you learn to ask this question when you're faced with decisions that you have to make, I promise you'll write a better story. Right? Your stories will get better that you'll tell. Here's the, ones, the one question that I want us to ask for the third week is what story do you want to tell? So, if I would pause and time out and say, what story do I want to tell in that moment? Um, so, that bully one, right? I could have just kind of just went with it and just got bullied my whole, whatever grade that was, fifth grade or fourth grade. Um, or I could, at some point, say, you know what? The story I want to tell is I didn't just get pushed around my whole life, right? I stood up for myself. And yes, the poor guy broke his arm, but that's what he deserves, right? Or I could have, the story I could tell is if I, if I, what story do you want to tell in this moment? Well, I just let people push me out all the time, right? Um, whatever the story is, you have to determine what story do I, it's called the legacy question. Um, in, in, uh, in Annie Stanley's book, it's, it's called Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. Annie Stanley is a pastor in Atlanta, and he calls this the legacy question. He said, so if you'll ask this, you'll, you'll make better decisions in your life. Um, if you'll ask the question, what story do I want to tell? When all this is said and done, what story do I want to be said of me that others tell and that I get to tell about the different uh, the choices I made? Because at some point, all of our years and all of our choices are going to be chapters and stories in our, in our, in our story of our life, right? He says this in his book. He says, decision by decision, you're writing the story of your life. So when you're making a decision of any magnitude, you owe it to yourself to pause, to look ahead and ask yourself, what story do I want to tell? The decisions you're in the middle of making right now, this week, today, are going to be reduced to a story you tell. And once it's behind you, it's a story, period. For you to tell or for others to tell. So write a good story. Let's choose to write a good story. When it comes to 2021, when it comes to the choices we make, Man, choose a good story, right? A good story, right? And here's the thing. Um, when we're faced with things like 2020, when we're faced with things like the election. We're faced with things like debt or pressures or bills that pop up, uh, health issues, right? Um, it's, it's those, there's sometimes things in, a, in life that make our decisions hard, right? Much harder. Uh, the difficulties that, that, that come up, they, they, they make it difficult sometimes to choose the right choice. Um, you know, 2020, I think of it. When you're facing hard, some people, they try to escape, right? Through alcohol or through drugs um others the worst case scenario through suicide they're trying to escape these things right um others when they're out of control they don't have control anger rises up and they try to control the things that are close to them like other people or family members because they have no control around them so when when it's when dif- when it's difficult um w- when we have difficulty in our life sometimes it's hard to make the right decisions the right choices um and here's why because uh, the primary reason that we don't a lot of times make good choices is because of emotions um we it, it's uh it's well, emotions cause us to be distracted, they cause us to focus on uh just the thing that's right in front of us, namely our story right so emotions like a fog it causes us to lose sight of the broader context if you've ever been in a uh in an emotionally charged environment, it seems like all of a sudden all of the like the bigger picture just kind of gets shrunk down to this it's kind of like a tunnel vision. all you can see is what's in front of you right that's what emotions do to us right it's uh it's the challenge we face in making good choices is if we let our emotions rule us we usually make poor decisions and poor choices because the emotions are now right story is later so the challenge we have is are we going to make choices for the moment or are we going to make choices for the future and how do we balance those two right because decisions are usually now with the pressure with the emotion but story is always later and a lot of times we don't think about stories because we're not thinking later we're thinking right now in the moment uh, last week, I gave you a um, um, a cognitive bias that we have, right, um, that, that our brain just automatically looks for others to, to feed us the same information we want. Well, psychologists have another cognitive bias that we have in our life. It's called focalism. Whenever emotions uh, get strong in our life, uh, focalism happens to all of us, right? So um, whenever we're engaged in, in a fight – Whenever, whenever we're, it's an emotionally charged environment, we tend to get tunnel vision. We right? focus on just what's in front of us in the moment. Um, and this is what focalism is. Focalism, or they also call anchoring, is the tendency we all have to rely too heavily on initial information and the emotion it elicits when making a decision. So focalism only causes us to focus on the immediate, not the permanent. Right? We're only in the moment. And this is why people make poor decisions when emotions get too strong in their life. The initial information added with the emotion, um, it it causes us to be, really our minds to turn off is what it does. Our brains stop working because the emotions are fueling us and feeding us what what it wants. And so we don't think long-term, we only think short-term. We get hyper-focused on the thing that's in front of us or the person that's in front of us. So here's the thing, if you're going to tell a good story, right, you have to move from the immediate to the ultimate. If you're going to tell a good story your life, you can't just pick the immediate, right? I went into debt because I wanted a shopping spree because I felt like it. No, that's a bad story because you gave in to just the immediate. He's, we need to focus on the ultimate, right? So when, And here's the thing. Focalism kicks in more than we realize, and it causes us just to focus on the moment and lose track of what's going on with the bigger picture, right? If you've ever gone shopping and you see something that you really, really like, like, oh, that's going to look so good on me. Focalism can kick in if you're not careful because it becomes emotional, and all of a sudden now you want to buy it because you have this 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 um, desire to, to get something, right? It could be a vehicle. It could be whatever, and if if you don't have a way to say pause, let me think about this, you'll make purchases. You'll make decisions that later on you'll regret and say, oh, I really didn't need that. I couldn't afford that. Why did I go after it? It's because focalism kicks in and causes us not to see the um, bigger picture. We only see what's in front of us. So uh, whenever we're in any kind of emotionally charged space, anytime we're faced with an emotional decision, we need to learn to say, time out, let's hit the pause button, not the, not push the gas, but let's say, pause, uh, let's let's think about this, right? Uh, my kids growing up, they would watch this show called Don, Daniel Tiger. And in the show, it teaches kids that when you're angry, when you're upset, what do you do? You stop and you count to 10, right? This is good advice for adults too. If you're ever upset, you're ever mad, pause, count to 10. Because what happens is when you get angry, vocalism kicks in, right? And you're not going to think about what you're about to say. But if you'll pause and count, you'll most likely make a better decision because you're saying, I'm going to push, push those emotions to the side. I'm going to begin to let my brain start thinking again um, because I, I, in those moments I don't. So for, for this message, like if there's, there's some young people in this room, um, in this message, if there's one skill that I could teach you to help you write a better story, it would be what we're talking about today. Because um, if you can get this and you can practice this, you'll write better stories in your life from, from, from experience I'm telling you. You'll write better stories from your life if you'll think about the story that's going to be told in that moment, right? The stories I regret, I thought only about the moment and doing what my friends or the, the pressure that was happening, right? I gave into the peer pressure. I gave into whatever was in front of me. And I only thought for the moment. If I would have said, wait, wait, so this story, I'm going like, like, to have to keep this from my parents for a long time. That's typically not a good thing, right? You're like, um, if you ever have, have to keep anything from somebody you love, typically that's not part of the story you want. If, you have to, if your story, if your decision is going to cause you to be a liar, you don't want that part of, of, of It's not going to be a good story, because you'll be hiding something for a long time. And the things that I regret, I, I have, if I'm honest, I would say, I didn't hit the pause button and say, huh, one day I'm going to tell this story, and will I be proud of this story? No. But I made the decision not for the long term, it for the moment, and those are the times that we regret. So uh, today... We're, when we talk about the story we're telling, if if you learn to do this, you'll write a better story. All right. So let me tell you a story from the Old Testament. It's one of the best stories in the Bible. I think it's one of the greatest. Um, it's one of the longest you'll find in the Old Testament, but it's fascinating, right? So it's a story about this man named Joseph. It starts when he's when he's really young. Um, he it says that he was the favorite uh, son of his father's favorite wife. So, time out, right? So if you're married. You shouldn't have favorite wives, all right? You should just have a favorite wife, right? Just, just, just like help you out. So it was, his father had a favorite son from a favorite wife, which means he had multiple wives and multiple kids, and he was the baby, he was the youngest, and Joseph was his favorite. And so uh, Joseph had these dreams when he was young that God was going to use him, right? There, there's these, like, this idea that he was going to be somehow used in a, in a really great way, and he told his dreams to his family, and his family despised him and hated him for it, right? And so uh, at one point, even his dad like, rebuked him because he says, well, am I also going to bow down and worship you too in these dreams? So his brothers hated him. Well, his dad gave him this nice coat, you know, his, his favorite son. He had this, this fancy coat. And um, we're going to pick up the story when he's 17 years old. And so uh, we're going to start in Genesis 37. So this is like the 17th chapter of Joseph's story, right? Because he's lived 17 years now. If you think of your years as a, maybe a chapter, he's already, he's already in his story. and There's things that are going on, but we're going to pick up on it. And it says that one day he was going to visit his brothers in the field. And when he was going there, his brothers said this. They said, here comes that dreamer, right? They said to each other, here comes, well, here comes, that, here comes Joseph, here comes that dreamer. So, so if you can imagine around 1850 B.C., a Hebrew teenager, right, named Joseph, he's going to find himself in a very tough situation. And it says, here comes that dreamer. They said, come out, let us kill him. Those are some focalism uh, kicking in, right? Some emotionally charged words here. Let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. And say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. So they're a little jealous. They're a little envious. They just, they hate Joseph so much that they're willing to kill him and then lie about it to their father. Right? That he was killed by an animal. Um, And then, so in this moment, right, as the emotions get high, maybe some mob mentality, they start like egging each other on. Yeah, we don't deserve him. He's the worst. You know, like maybe egging. If somebody would say, hey, well, let's hit the pause button here. Hey, guys, you're about to make a decision. Obviously, you want to kill your brother and throw him into a pit, right? That's going to cause you to keep a secret from your father and from those you love for a long time. Like, and more than that, one day millions of people will read your story, and they're going to think these guys were so jealous that they had to kill their brother because they were so angry at him. That's going to be part of your story. Like, hey, time out, guys. Let's, uh, let's think about this. This is not going to be a good story right? that's going to be told of you. Maybe you should think of a better ending, a better way to, 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 to write a better part of the story. And honestly, actually, the next verse says this. When Reuben heard this, right, he used their plan. Reuben's the oldest. He's the oldest brother. It says he tried to rescue them from a hand. and said, hey, let's guys, whoa, 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 calm down. Let's let the emotions come down. Let's not kill him, right? Let's just put him in the pit for now, and let's not kill him. Let's not shed any blood. Um, Let's just throw him into the cistern we have in the wilderness, but do, do not lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. So Reuben's plan was to later come back, Get him out of the cistern and take him back to his father so he didn't get killed. He was the, the, the wise voice, the voice of wisdom saying, wait, guys, time out. This is not a good story we're writing here. Let's not make a foolish decision. And so then Reuben left, and he was planning to come come from later. While he was gone, a caravan of Ishmaelites came through, and the brothers saw him and said, hey, the caravan, we can sell Joseph to them as a slave. We can make a little money off it. We don't have to kill him. We can let them be in charge of that, right? And so they sell him to the caravan uh, as, as they pass through. Well, later on, Reuben comes and to rescue Joseph. He's not there. He asks his brothers what happened. And they told him, well, we sold him as a slave. So Reuben rips his clothes just to distraught. He's, he's, he knows he's going to kill his dad, right, when he hears the news. Um, and so they get his coat. The brothers get his, uh, Joseph's coat. They tear it up, and they put blood, animals' blood on it. And they take it to their dad and say, Dad, your favorite son of your favorite wife, right? He's no longer here. And um, they were angry, and they made a choice. It really wasn't even Joseph's fault, but their dad's fault, right, for even having all that stuff going on. But essentially, they tell their father a lie, and they keep it to themselves. They have to keep it to themselves for a long time. And they tell, tell their father he, he mourns, he grieves. It's just a bad part of the story, right? So, so this chapter of 2020 of Joseph's life was not a good 2020, right? He's going through something very difficult. He's now a slave um, to these people. They're going to sell him to, to a, a, a political guy in, in Egypt named Potiphar. Um, and Potiphar buys him and makes him part of his, his household, right, to, to run it. And this is what it says. So uh, in Joseph's story, bad chapter, now he's a slave. Not not a very good chapter. It's not going in a very good direction. But this is what it says about Joseph, right? Uh, Joseph had a choice. It says, so Potiphar left everything he had to Joseph's care. Within Joseph's charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. Imagine your life is going so well. Every decision, every day that you have to think about, you don't have to think about because somebody else is doing it for you. You only have to think about the food. Today, I want a steak. Mm, yeah, medium rare. Tomorrow, I want some sushi, right? Uh, I want some of that green stuff the next day, whatever that was from the other country. Let's get some of that. That's the only decision that he had to make. So essentially, Joseph had a choice to make. He could try to escape, run away maybe. Uh, he could do as little as possible, just enough not to get killed. Or maybe a third option. He could serve Potiphar's household as if it, as if it was his own. He could serve Potiphar as if he was serving God. Guess what Joseph chose? the third way, and he was so good at what he did, and God gave him so much favor that it says Potiphar put Joseph in charge of everything. He had the skills and the gifts of administration. He was able to do all those things. Now, that's a story worth telling. He didn't become, even though he was kidnapped and sold into uh, slavery, you know, uh, unjustly, he didn't become a victim, right? He said, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to trust God for the outcome, and he, he wrote a good story. So in the middle of a bad year, I'm going to turn it into the best year I could possibly make it. I'm not going to let it become a bad year. So then he's taking care of uh, Potiphar's household. The next verse says this. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome. Huh. Those are some interesting um, characteristics that the author is putting in there. I wonder why. So he's well-built and handsome, and you can almost see it coming, right? And after a while, Potiphar's wife took notice of Joseph, right? And said, hey, come to bed with me. So now there's a test in Joseph's life, a temptation, Right, So now Potiphar's wife is saying, hey, I noticed you, so come, right, come sleep with me. So um, now Joseph has a question. I'm writing the story. What decision should I make in this? Um, so here's one skill to a better story that I think if you get, no matter what age you are, old or young, if you'll do this, you'll make better choices. You'll write a better story. Essentially, Joseph did this. Whoa, whoa, time out, Miss Potiphar. Time out, right? Um, slow down, right? Um, let's, let's think about this where you're, you're proposing me something that I have to make a decision on. Now, if I go through with it, one, it's going to be death for me and you. That's, that's part of it. Uh, but two, it's just not a good story. And it says this, this is what he said, but he refused. And this is part of why the story is so important of Joseph. He rehearses and talks himself out of focalism. Cause in that moment you can imagine, right? The emotions, you can imagine what's going on, but he says with me in charge, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one greater in this house. There's no one greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. And notice he says, how then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Time out. This is going to be a story that people are going to tell about us one day, Miss Potiphar. I want to make sure I'm writing a good story. So how could I do such a wicked thing against my master? and against God, and sin against God. So essentially, what Joseph is doing is saying, I'm going to push all his emotions, I'm going to push focalism away from here, from this choice, and I'm going to say, let's look down the road, what story do I want to tell here? So you can almost even see as he's he's talking through this, he's essentially saying there's two stories. Think about it. Story number one, right? Your husband, he gave me an opportunity, one that I never dreamed would come my way as a slave, so I've been faithful to him, God's been watching out for me, and I took advantage of it, and I took you, the one thing he said I couldn't have, or Miss Potiphar, the one that you, you have a lot, but you want something you can't have, and you could choose the first story and just we'll go against it and do it, or story number two, your husband gave you an opportunity, so I um, trusted that God would take care of me, and I said no to this opportunity because it's not going to be a good story, well Joseph, he chose story number two, she continued to choose story one, right, she still wanted to say, no, I'm going to do what I want to do, and it says this, at oh, even though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. So this happens over and over. She keeps saying no at some point. And eventually she gets so embarrassed that he, he, he says no. He runs away. She, she gets his, his, his uh, tunic and she pulls it off. He runs out. She's so upset that she actually now blames him for trying to rape her. So she calls the palace guards. They come in. What's going on? He says, she tried to rape me. This Hebrew, Hebrew slave. So then Potiphar has him locked up. The fact that Potiphar didn't kill Joseph, which if it really did happen, he would be dead, means that Potiphar probably understood his wife's choices that she'd been making, right? Her, the character of who she was. The fact that he doesn't kill him right away but just puts him in a, in a political prison must mean that Potiphar understood Joseph wasn't uh, – he didn't do anything wrong, right? So now it says this. He, the, 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 the author continues on. Um, it says, well, while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. So when you find yourself in a difficult situation, for, 20, for some people, 2020 was like a prison, right? Going into 2021, some people still might even feel like that. Well, it, notice what it says. While he was in this difficult situation, the Lord was with him. I know I don't know about you, but when I'm going through something hard, it doesn't always feel like God is with me, but he is. And In this moment, it's because Joseph is writing a good story. God is saying, I'm going to give you favor. In fact, it says that he gave him so much favor that now he was put in charge of the prison to run the prison. And the head of the prison, he's, he put him in charge of everything, right? Because this is, what, this is what you have to understand about Joseph's story is the story wasn't over. If you're going through something difficult, your story's not over. If you're facing something challenging, the story's not over. It's just a part of the, maybe one of the chapters that's not a very good chapter, but it's not over. So regardless of what you're going through, just know your story's not over either. Um, and just like Joseph, our story is always told one decision at a time, one choice at a time. It, it leads into it. If you think of stories that we tell them that over and over throughout history, what are those stories? It's the underdog story. It's the rags to riches. It's the loser to winner, right? Maybe you feel like you're not being successful. Why don't you write that kind of story? You overcame the difficulties to be able to tell a better story. And it says that Joseph was in prison for eight long years. So God was with him. But when you're going through something difficult for a while, that's eight chapters of his life. It doesn't really seem like God's doing much. But he's staying faithful. He's doing what he can with what he has in the moment. So after eight long years, uh, Pharaoh has two people in his court, uh, the, wine, the, the wine tester and, and a baker, that he gets really upset with. So he throws them into prison with Joseph. Now, while they're in prison, they have these dreams. So both of them have a dream that are kind of similar, but they're a little different. And they come, and, and they're, they're distraught. And Joseph said, what's going on? What's going on, guys? And they say, well, we have these dreams, but you know, we don't know what they mean. He says, well, God's in the business of, 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 of interpreting dreams, so tell me what they are. And so um, the, 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 the cup, uh, the wine taster, he, he, t- he's, he, uh, he tells him his dream first. And he says, this is a good dream. It means in three days, Pharaoh is going to bring you back out, and he's going to lift you back up to your status of being, being next to him. So the baker is excited. Well, that was good news. Let me tell you my dream. So the baker tells him, his dream. And he says, well, that's not such good news. This is not good news like, like the, 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 the cup taster. He says, your dream means in three days, Pharaoh is going to bring you out and kill you and impale you uh, um, in a horrible death. So At that point, I'm sure the baker's thinking, man, I should have kept that part to myself, right? So three days later, and this is part of the story. He says, when all goes well with you, right, to the, to the first one, he says, remember me and show me kindness. Kindness. Mention to me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. See guys, I was forcibly carried off to the land, from the land of the Hebrews and even here, I have, t- I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. So the cupbearer, Um, he tells them, when you you get out and you're put back to your position of authority, remember me, don't forget about me. And then there's some really, really sad words that take part in this part of his story, his chapter. It says this, the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Vocalism kicked in. He forgot about the bigger story. He said, I'm back to my original position. Yay me. And he totally forgot about Joseph for a few more years. And then, so it just happens that Pharaoh has a dream, a couple of them, and he's disturbed by these dreams because he knows they, they must mean something because he's had them. And so he's asking, can anybody help us? And in that moment, the cupbearer says, oh, I just remember my shortcomings. I, I just remember where I messed up. And he says, a few years ago, a few years ago, you locked me in the – and he tells him the whole story. And he says, Pharaoh, there's a guy in there who interprets dreams. And Pharaoh says, well, bring him to me. So they give him a bath. They shave him put him in clothes. They bring him into, into Pharaoh to talk. So Pharaoh tells him a dream. Joseph interprets the dream and says this is what's going to happen you have seven years of great 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 harvest and um, bumper crop and then seven years of one of the worst uh, famines ever and then, so he interprets the dream and he doesn't stop there and he says mr pharaoh mr king this is what you should do then he gives him advice right he said you should find somebody in the kingdom that would be wise enough and have the gifts of ministration to be able to prepare from these seven years so that when the next seven years come we'll be prepared for those so he tells him this plan and Pharaoh says, this is what it says, the plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the spirit of, the, of God? So even Pharaoh recognizes something different in Joseph. See, Joseph had been writing a good story. So not only can, uh, did they, they recognize something in him, but um, Potiphar could vouch for him. The, 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 the prison guards could, could vouch for him. The, the cupbearer could vouch for him, right? Because he's writing a good story. He has these people saying, this guy's making good choices. He, he has been unjustly put in these situations, but he's still writing a good story. So essentially, he put, gets put, I want to say, second in command uh, uh, next to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says, is there anybody else? Let's put him in charge. And, and it, he does exactly what he tells Pharaoh they should do. He begins to build some really big storage places for to store the grain. Seven years of a bumper crop. They get so much, but they save a lot. And then seven years of uh, famine. worse than anybody they'd ever experienced. And after a few, after a little while, the people surrounding uh, Egypt, they ran out of food. And they began to hear that Egypt had food still. So Joseph's brothers, their dad says, guys, why are you still sitting here? You should already be on your way to Egypt to get us some food because we're starving. So Joseph's dad sends his brothers to Egypt. So it just happens that they go to one place to buy some grain. And that day is the same day Joseph happens to be at that same location monitoring and checking how things are going and he sees his brothers and he recognizes them and it says that they see him as a powerful person in Egypt and they all bow down to him in that moment i'm pretty sure joseph's that dream came back to him like whoa this was the dream i had as a kid right they're bowing down to me just like they did in my dream this is this is incredible well here's the thing joseph is now successful he's even more powerful than he's ever been before but even in the other roles he has the authority to do to them, right, what they did to him. Here's the thing about when we find ourselves, because sometimes we find ourselves with difficulties, other times we find ourselves in successful situations. Success is always the hardest test to pass. Just so you know, people always want success. But if you notice, a lot of people who are successful, their lives don't always turn out the best. They write poor stories. Because sometimes success is not always what we think it is. And focalism and wanting what we want and not, not telling a good story causes us to make poor decisions. This is why, like, something that, that you gain very quickly, like the parable says an, an inheritance that's gotten easily will easily be spent, right? It just goes away quickly because we don't know how to manage it. So, so a lot of times our story is God's building our character to be, able to be able to stand under whatever success he wants to give us. But we have to learn that, it, that there's some intentional things that have to be put in place, like endurance to be able to stick with it and not think you've arrived because you never arrived. That's part of what success tricks us into thinking is we've arrived and we can just take it easy. And that moment is when we start telling a poor story. So he had a decision to make. He's successful. But now in this chapter of his story, right now he's in chapter we're in chapter 45 of, of Genesis. He's in chapter what 30, 37 or so of his story. And what is he going to do now? So I'm, I'll, I'll skip forward because now uh, we'll go into a few chapters ahead. It's a great story. If you never read it, I would encourage you to go read, go read the story of Joseph. If you want to learn how to make good decisions and, and, and to, to learn how to ask this question, watch what he does over and over. But there's just this, this, this thing takes place between him and his brothers. They go back and forth from their father to, to Egypt. And eventually, he can't take it no more. He has to reveal himself, right? And so they, the, the, the last time they come in to, to get more grain, um, he kicks everybody out, out, of, out of the house so they, the other Egyptians don't hear. And he says, guys, I'm your brother, Joseph. And it says, this is what it says in, in chapter 45 of Genesis. They were terrified at his presence. The author, he should have put, and they went themselves, right? And they had to change their clothes. Because in the moment they realized that Joseph had the authority to kill all of them, he could decide to them what they decided to him. They could, he, he could choose to do the same thing that they did to him, right? Like, <laughs> it's a revenge chapter, right? Oh, those make, good, those make good novels and good movies. They make horrible chapters in real life. Why would he waste 37 years of time a good story for a revenge chapter? And he doesn't. He then says, guys, God has done this for our family, to save our family, right? God has set us up in such a – all the hardship we went through, he was doing something greater. He was developing my character. He was helping me get in a place where I can make a big difference in other people's lives. And Joseph, he chose to write a good story. So one of the things I would say about this, about this story is uh, when you're going through a bad chapter, just know – Uh, It's not over there's other chapters to come and don't ever make a decision that will make you a liar for life Don't ever make a decision that you'll regret That decision for the rest of your life, right? And that's what they did Their decision made them liars for life and joseph said i'm not going to return evil for evil I'm going to return good instead of of evil is what god is asking us to do all the time So when you're writing your story of your life every single day, right? Take an example from joseph's story and ask the question, well, well, I'm about to make a decision. What story do I want this to be told about me in this moment? What story do I want to tell? What story do I want to be told about me, right? Um, when I'm in the middle of, of the emotions coming up, and, and the pressure's on from the car salesman, and this car is really beautiful, it's really nice, right? And he's saying it looks so good on me, and I've talked myself into it, and I can't afford it, but I have this pressure now. I've already gone through these steps, and have, they checked my credit. Now I'm like, I have to sign, and the pressure's there. Well, here's what salespeople know. If you leave the, the car dealership without buying it, you'll go home and think about it and all of a sudden the focalism will lift and you'll begin to rationalize and think, well, I can buy that car but I'm not going to eat for like two weeks and uh, it's going to mess up my, my budget, right? You'll actually make a better decision. Time out. What story do I want to be told? Well, I gave in to the emotion, the pressure of them and I want to look good in front of people, right? If I'm honest, what story do I want to be told? Well, I bought this car. I couldn't afford it. got me into more debt which got me more debt and eventually I lost all this stuff. Or, You know what? In the moment, I didn't let the emotions take over. I paused and said, this will not be a good story in my life. So how can I pause this and stop this so I can make a better permanent choice in my life? So what we need to do, we need to look as far down the road as we possibly can and ask the question, right, what story do I want to tell in this moment? And then choose the destination, right? Um, Choose the destination of where we want to end up. So in 2021, so a few weeks back, um, sincerity to myself and a pastor friend of ours and his wife we went out to O Santa Fe to go spend a day over there, and uh, we're uh, outdoor hot tubs, right? And so as we're there in this this hot tub, um, th- there's a limit because of the stuff, capacity of five people in this really big hot tub. And so well, the four of us are there. We've been there for a while talking, and this lady comes, and she jumps in. The, she says, hey, can I join you guys? She comes in, and um, and she begins to just talk to us, right? And so we're talking, having a conversation, and it turns out that her and her husband are getting divorced the Christmas Eve Um seems like there was a big decision that they made, right? Not a good decision to make prior to Christmas Eve, but they made the decision. She left the house, went on a road trip for a while, and she's now in New Mexico, you know, trying to just figure out the next steps. So she's there. She's telling us all the stories, and eventually she says, so what do you guys do? <laughs> to which my friend, he laughs hard, and I laugh because we know whenever somebody asks us, this just happens a lot, just, you know, the first thing they typically do when you tell them, well, I'm a pastor. Um, they usually do this. And they think they're like, did I cuss? <laughs> I'm like, guys, I've heard it all. It's, you're not going to – you know. So there's two, two – it usually goes two ways. They hear our pastor. It's going to be now free counseling for two hours, maybe three, right? Or they're going to be upset, get out of the tub, and leave. Cause like, oh, man, I don't want to be on you. And then, Or they just shut down, right? So it's usually those two things, shut down or free counseling. Um, so she, we're talking, and we, we laugh, you know, and, and we, this is what I say, I say. It's not an accident you sat down in the tub with us, Right? And so we, him some, we talked to her some resources, trying to encourage her and help her. Had a good conversation. And I just, I've been reading this book from Andy Stanley called uh, Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets, where he asked this question, what story do I want to tell? And in this chapter of this, he tells a story about a friend that he has that was going through a divorce. And it, the divorce got really ugly. His wife began to use the kids as leverage against him, and it just wasn't, wasn't going good. And Andy told him, he said this, he says, hey, so in 20 years, 10 years, a few years down the road, Every decision you make is just going to be a story that one day you'll tell your kids. When your mom and I were going through this difficult season, yep, I got really upset, and I used everything in my power to get back at her. I may set her up as, you know, whatever. Or maybe write a story you can be proud of telling. And he said every week he would call his friend. His friend would say, I'm still writing a good story. I'm making good choices. I'm not going to let the emotions cause me to make a poor decision in the middle of this. And that was fresh in my mind. I told the lady, I said, you know what, the best advice I've heard is, when you're going through something like this, one day, all of this that you're, all these choices you're making will just be a story that you're going to tell your kids and a story you'll tell of yourself and of what went on. You can't change other people, but you can determine the outcome in the story that you will tell in this moment. I just encourage her. Write a good story. The same thing with you guys. I would encourage you guys today. Would you choose to write a good story? And here's the thing. Stories are far away, right? They're long. They're in the distance. That's, the, that's why we don't make good choices a lot of times. Well, what if you thought about your story as a daily thing, right? So you end your day every – I don't know what you do at night. I don't know if you have a routine you brush your teeth and you lay down. But what if you thought about your day and you said, you know what, did I, did I contribute to my story today in a good way? Because typically we think, well, I'll write the story next week. I'll write the story in, in two months. I'll write I'll, next year. And then we just have these blank pages or these empty moments where we don't do anything and we go the, the wrong direction. What if every single day we made a decision to say, you know what, there's a few things I should be doing every day. Did I accomplish those, those few things? If you're a parent, there should be a few things you should be doing with your kids. If you're, as a Jesus follower, if you're a Christian, there should be a few things you do every single day. You ask yourself, did I do those things? Then you're just contributing to writing a better story. And if you didn't, then you need to start. If we thought of our, of, our, of our decisions we make every single day, we'll begin to realize that we're writing a really great story if we'll focus on a daily seizing the day, writing that story every single day, not letting the emotions, not letting the things that pop up take us off track. So here's my challenge, right? Would you ask the third question? What story do I want to tell? When you're faced, especially when you're faced with an emotional decision, when you're in a, the heat of the battle, what story do I want to tell about this? Right? What story do I want to tell that I'll be proud of? What story do I want to say that won't make me a liar for the rest of my life? What story do I want to tell? You know, as, as we end our service today, um, if you're not honest, uh, with where you currently are in life, you'll never be able to get to where you want to be. And that, that that means in your finances, in your relationships, in your walk with God, if you're not honest with where you're at currently, you'll never be able to get on track to get to where you need to be. Um, Jesus says this. He says that um, in, in Matthew, he says, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. This word is a great word. It just means you have to have a change of direction. It means have a change of heart, have a change of mind. So if you find yourself off track going in the wrong direction... You need to stop and do a U-turn and turn back to God. So he's saying repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He's saying the kingdom of God is a daily thing. It's not often the future thing. It's today. So have a change of direction. Have a change of heart and mind. So today, if you're off course in your finances, your relationships, and maybe your mental health or your physical health, maybe today you need to repent and have a change of direction in wherever you're going that's not healthy and go in a healthy direction. And then today most important thing is spiritually if you're off track with God maybe you're doing your own thing see the kingdom of God is about letting him lead kingdom of us is about us doing our what we want to do and Jesus says if you want to follow me you have to let me lead it's about my kingdom not about your kingdom his prayer is your kingdom come your will be done not my kingdom come and my will be done no it's God you show up and notice he says it's at hand it's here it's in the day it's in the choices it's in the moments that we find ourselves in so today as I'm going to take a second and we're going to pray. But if you're off track in any area of your life, I would, one, say, God, help me to get on track. Help me to be asked these questions of the choices and decisions I'm making. And then, two, if you're here today, I'm going to give you an opportunity in a second, if you're, if you're watching online or you're here in the room and you're off track with your relationship with God, that you would get back on track. So do me a favor. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads today as we end our service? If you're in this room or you're watching online and you'd be brave enough and awesome enough to say, you know what, I'm off track with my walk with God. It's not his kingdom, it's my kingdom. I'm been doing my thing. But today you want to get back on track. I would love to lead you in a prayer that helps you start that. It's a decision that you make saying, God, forgive me for getting off track. Forgive me for going my own way. Today I want to go your way. If you're here, I'm not gonna call you to the front, but just right in your seat, I'll lead you in a prayer. If that's you, would you let me know that just lift your hand? Say, I'm I'm here, getting off track. Forgive me for getting off track. Awesome, I see a few hands. Anybody else? and for you to watch online if you want to pray this prayer with us also so for the rest of us in this room would you pray even if you didn't raise your hand would you pray this prayer with us so that those who raise their hand are not praying alone say this today say this today say Father God forgive me for getting off track for going my own way forgive me my sins and my choices that led me away from you today I choose you I want to go your way Thank you for sending Jesus, your son, to give us an example of how to live. Thank you for letting him die on that cross in my place so I can have a way back to the Father. Today, I put my trust in you. Today, I choose to go your direction. I choose to follow your lead. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Let's, pray. let's celebrate those that prayed in the room online. So good.